when prisoners want to be part of society, they want to come back. They did a mistake. Some of them are innocent, but most of them did some kind of mistake. But it's a mistake. It's not the end of the world. The opportunity for get education, for being acknowledged, they're hungry for that. And the truth is, I think in America there are half a million, I'm not exactly sure the, the number, a huge number of prisoners, so every few thousand is not much. However, imagine that these few thousands are like uh, Baba students. They are not a lot in the world, but when they go to different jobs, you know, in the world, they make changes there because the inner, you know, thing in the human being, we are all good, good inside. So those prisoners, they can change the prisoners. So we are working on it slowly. That was Dr. Danny Nowak, Associate Professor of Mathematics at Ithaca College, New York. He is also the co-founder of the website familymath.org, which organizes free math workshops math days and math summer camps for children. But more importantly, after he consciously knew Baba and came into his fold in late 1990s, propagating and sharing the message of Bhagwan Baba became one of his life's passionate missions. And he has been doing this by taking Baba and his love to that section of the society who needed the most the prisoners. For several years now, he has been working actively with hundreds of prisoners, enriching their lives and helping them rebuild themselves into responsible and compassionate beings. But all this happened once Danny was touched by the love of Bhagwan Papa. of miracles and I asked him can I borrow it oh he said sure Carol gave me a few copies you can take one I took this book home and I read it before I went to sleep and it didn't make any effect on me because I said oh I know about holy men in India you know they produce miracles and so on but what does it have to do with me I'm, I'm here nothing but and here is the lightning when I read about the lingam, the lingam what happened in me, kind of, because I understood what does it mean to be human. I understood, everything made sense to me. When I read what Swami goes through with the Shivaratri, with the lingam, I understood that I am also like that. I have to bear my life. Swami gives an example. And that night Swami came to me in a dream. And the whole night he was working on oh, churning me, churning me in a form of energy. And that day, the next day I was teaching without too much fear. You see, it was different. And then I started, I found out the Vesai Baba Center, I started coming to India. Many miracles happened to me, Swami, you know, all kind of little things that I don't know if I should talk in the interview, but Swami entered to my life. And then 
I am, I am now completely devoted. I mean, that's not the word. I'm grateful beyond, beyond, beyond words. So that is how Swami works. Once Danny experienced the bliss of being in the presence of the Divine, years of fear, guilt and negative feelings just melted away. He was born anew and he transformed himself into a messenger of love. And today, all he wants to do is spread this Divine fragrance of love through everything he does, be it maths, social service or music teaching, counseling or meditating. The twists and turns in his life and how the Divine has always been invisibly guiding, guarding and shaping him towards a higher purpose and goal in life is fascinating. In the month of March 2011, Dr. Danny Nowak was in Puttaparthi and with lot of love shared this interesting tale of his life in a conversation with Radio Sai's Bishop Prishti. We now bring you the entire conversation in this yet another episode of our continuing series, Trist with Divinity. Sairam, Mr. Danny Nowak, and a warm welcome to the studios of Radio Sai. Sairam. I remember reading your email to Radio Sai in response to Professor Venkatraman's uh, recent comprehensive article mm -hmm. on the vision or the manifesto of Radio Sai. In fact, I have that uh, letter right now. Let me read it out for the benefit of listeners. This is what you say. I quote, I am teaching math at Ithaka College. And I'm involved in the growing free online education. Mm -hmm. I'm also busy with education of prisoners in the United States, a country which has many people that are ready to receive Swami's teaching. Mm. Let us bring Swami's teaching to the prisons and to every place we can. Mm. Unquote. In fact, I must share with you that Professor Venkatraman was so glad uh, to see your mail that he felt this must be communicated to all our listeners as well as our readers. And so he went on to give another musing on Radio Sai mm -hmm. based on your work and the importance of taking Swami's message, especially to prisoners. Mm -hmm. And um, we are really happy that we have you in person today. And definitely it is great to listen from you directly about your work, about uh, the service initiatives that you have taken in that part of uh, the world. So please tell us uh, more about this wonderful work that is going on in jails. Well, it all started from uh, a letter to uh, a library at Cornell. It's called the Alternative Library. And it's unusual library. It has uh, spiritual books and uh, social change books. And it's a small library in a building that encompasses all religions. Unusual for Cornell. 
the Cornell is a very intellectual uh, science and uh, you know prestige kind of university. To have a building like that is unusual. And the library is like one of the, the beautiful pearls in that building. And uh, one day a prisoner wrote a letter to the director of the library, Gary, and asked him if he can be sent a book. He, wanted, he heard about the library and he wanted to borrow a book. And the director of the library wrote him very kindly that we wish we could help you, but it is not in our capacity. We are not built up to do that. The prisoner answered back and thanked Gary for the kind letter, even though the answer was no, but he, his heart was touched. Well, Gary's heart was also touched. And uh, from that came this program, which is called Prisoners Express. And there are about, I would think, 3,000 prisoners that are served. They simply hear it from each other somehow, you know, because wow. they are not allowed to correspond. In fact, one time when I wrote to a prisoner, I put in the letter a quote or part of a, a PDF copy of another prisoner's letter because I thought they would connect. Well, this did not reach the prisoner because the prisoner uh, authorities found out. You know, even though it, the prisoners cannot communicate, this positive thing moved through the prison and now there are 3,000 uh, prisoners that receive a newsletter that has poetry. And what I learned from this, they asked me if I could help with the math program. Mm -hmm. Well, prisoners want to be part of society. They want to come back. They did a mistake. Some of them are innocent, but most of them did some kind of mistake. But it's a mistake. It's not the end of the world. The opportunity for get education, for being acknowledged, they're hungry for that. And the truth is, I think in America there are half a million, I'm not exactly sure the, the number, a huge number of prisoners, so I have a few thousand, is not much. However, imagine that these few thousands are like uh, Baba students. They are not a lot in the world, but when they go to different jobs, you know, in the world, they make changes there because the inner, you know, thing in the human being, we are all good, good right. inside. So those prisoners, they can change the prisoners. So we are working on it slowly, you know. Can you please um, elaborate a little more on um, this Prisoners Express and their work? What exactly sure. do they do? Well, in reality, I must say, one person does all the work. Oh. His name is Gary. Mm -hmm. It's one person. He's one of the employees in the library. He is a volunteer. No money, zero money, oh. ever. Mm. One penny is not spent on this, you know. Uh, so how does he survive? Uh, it's the only cost is postage, mm -hmm. because three thousand prisoners sending books. So you invite requests from prisoners uh, for the yeah. books that they want. They hear about that from other prisoners. Mm -hmm. Somehow, what I found through the math program, because I'm truly just a volunteer, like you know, uh, Gary is the person that is really seeing the overall full picture. What I know from the prisoners I corresponded with, that um, there are like nests of prisoners in different states. And one of them, the biggest one, I think, is in Texas for some reason. And then there is one in California. 
And there are also here and there, I even got a letter from a female prisoner, I was surprised. But it could, if the government, if some authority will take the ego out of the game and truly see that it is possible to do amazing things if there is the goodwill, it could be an amazing program. But right now, it's one person, Gary, from a little library at Cornell, and uh, there is a newsletter every three months. They share uh, poetry. They have journals. Sometimes professors or volunteers give free courses like history projects. So if prisons wants to, want to learn about history, so they subscribe to this. I am in charge of the math program. Most prisoners have very, very little knowledge of math. So they want to learn. So is it a challenge? If, for, you mean for them? For you. For me, um, I am truly looking not for the myth. I'm trying to reach uh, the prisoners to connect with that part in, in them that will be interested in the spiritual dimension. Wow, And so you are using math to unravel their the, the yes, spark of goodness. Yes, somehow I write them a letter you know, like an introduction letter. And in that, I tell them a little bit about myself and some loving words, and then they uh, feel that. And then they, they have my address, so they, uh, they um, uh, write to me. And then I start corresponding with them. I used to do more of this. I must say the truth. Right now, I'm waiting for other people to be involved because I'm involved with m many other things. And the Prisoners Express program right now is on a change. I, I did talk to the Saibaba uh, organization in the United States. And um, they asked me some questions. The question is, how do we connect the Saibaba teaching with the prisons? I, I believe that Saibaba teachings could have a tremendous impact. And so the question is, how do you start it? This is Gary. It's right now in his hands because he knows the prisoners. The question is, what would be some kind of initiation letter or inv invitation? Because I truly started with Yanni course that maybe I will talk a little bit later. I had about... I would say 25 prisoners registered for this. And I used to send them one chapter a week. This did not continue with most of them. It continued like with four. And what the Saibaba devotees in the United States uh, told me, uh, the, the organization, is that we need to find something that will be sustainable. So we are now, that is where it stays now, it's in Swami's hand, we have to be patient, everything will work at the right time. But my vision is to have Sai Baba centers, imagine Sai Baba centers in prisoners, where a prisoner is actually a Sai Baba, you know... Uh, yes, he should also benefit, I mean he needs it the most. Yeah, and, and then they will attract other prisoners and then they will attract the guards too. Right. You see, because guards are also prisoners. We are all <laughs> oh, prisoners. Yeah, right? So, the prisoners of the mind. So yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, prisoners of the mind. That, yes. That's a powerful phrase. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll discuss about that maybe a little later. But um, can you uh, please uh, 
give one or two instances of mm-hmm. the kind of impact uh, mm-hmm. that your association and mm-hmm. your teaching you know sharing of this knowledge about maths knowledge about life and the meaning of life mm-hmm. uh, what sort of an impact it has had in prisoners one or two instances can well, you share i remember one person in particular his name is kyriakos georgiades he is from cyprus he was a young man visited the united states is not a citizen and there was an incident he was he didn't do any mistakes but um he was not in a good company exactly mm-hmm. and he was in a room and th- there was a situation that he had to take somebody else's life out of truly self defense he ended up in prison for life however he has a very developed soul you know uh, atma and he, over the years he's there many years he became the priest because uh, you know sometimes prisoners can become priests you know in the prison mm-hmm. so he is still a prisoner but mm-hmm. all his life is devoted completely and utmostly to service to service especially there is a certain population he wrote to me many letters we became soul friends you mm-hmm. know i mean there are prisoners who are retarded you see they are in prison not because they did something uh they, they may have done something but they shouldn't be really in prison they are mm. simply retarded mm. and and i'm sure it's in other countries also the same situation they don't know how to take care of themselves mm. you see usually prisoners they can be very intelligent and they are very rough in in america you have the macho guys you know very kind of arrogant you know and and those prisoners are not like that so nobody takes care of them they barely have anything so he he really takes care of them you know he tries to help them that's that's one example of you know of a prisoner that i felt and the the con- your connecting with him has helped him oh yeah i mean it helped me i mean okay. we became truly i learned from him about selfless service this was an example you know of of truly selfless service which um is i i believe he's uh, he completely is free of ego so how many years have you been involved in this uh, service i would say about 3 about 3 3 and a half years which was the first prisoner that you wrote to and who was that experience i wish i would remember something about my life i don't know if i will share it in this interview my memory doesn't work very well mm-hmm. it really doesn't i'm i'm a math professor at ithaca college but and somehow uh the divine allows me to talk you know but i wish i would be able to answer your question i don't remember the answer the kyriakos wasn't the first one but there may be many others uh... there were many others and i have them all uh, you know Uh, not all but many of them i did pdf files and i saved them on a google google documents the, everything you know flows like the river of life i don't know if i will continue working i pray that this will be part of saibaba's uh organization in the united states will take it over and saiban yes wonderful Uh, we just hope uh, that happens and i think so me willing uh, it will yeah uh, maybe definitely happen so but what really inspired you to get into this service swami only swami swami 
uh, came, I don't know if I should talk about it uh, right now, but he came to my life 11 years ago mm -hmm. in a dream. My situation is that my parents were Holocaust survivors. Oh. And uh, they came from Croatia, not from Germany. It is very little known about the Holocaust in Croatia. It wasn't the Nazis that did the atrocities, but the Ustasha. Those are native people mm -hmm. that um, were brought, they are Catholics. Mm -hmm. And they, they were, as little children, they were taught things that were not true. They were not taught with love, they were taught with fear. Mm -hmm. And so theories of Hitler uh, appealed to them. And Hitler knew, you know, to use different people like that, you know. He had a very good organization system. So, so they were very much influenced by that ideology. They were very much influenced and they saw an opportunity. Mm. So what happened, uh, my uh, family, that I only have really uh, my mom, you know, that survived. I don't have uh, um, almost anybody else. They were in Zagreb at that time. In, in the capital of Croatia. And what happened was, my aunt, you know, which is my mom's younger sister, was a friend with a non-Jewish person. I'm, I'm Jewish, I was born in Israel. He told her what, what was the situation and everything, but my grandfather, who was a very wealthy, self-made man, did not feel that that was the right time to go, because he had to arrange everything in America, you know. It, he was very organized. Mm. And so he did not listen to his daughter. And my mother obeyed her father rather than side with the daughter. There was one time in a room mm. that that situation happened. Well, everybody died except my mom. She uh, lived in the woods for many years and uh, lived with the partisans. She knew many languages, so she could help with translation of German to Croatian and so on. Mm. After the war, she survived the war, but in some sense, some deep sense, and that's something to be grateful for, for people that I think it will help listeners. Uh, if you are brought up with faith in God, no matter what religion you are, your life will be much easier than if you are brought up without faith. I was brought up without faith. My mom was brought up without much faith. What happens in her mind, guilt entered into her mind. Why did she not side with her sister? Her sister died. This guilt was in her mind all the time. If God would be in her mind, then it would be possible through prayer, through different ways to undo that. And I'm trying to give it to my children, that gift. But that didn't happen in my life, so I, that is in some sense I suffer from uh, some kind of mental situation because of that. Um, because I, like, I wasn't brought up from a young age with faith. And, this is why a mother's love is so, so important. Baba's love is the ultimate infinite mother, but the physical mother's love with faith is the formula 
for everything, even for beggars here. I must say, I, I met some beggars here, like a 36 years old beggar in Puda Party. There was a fire in the house uh, 10, 11 years ago. He has to, but I saw he has love. I felt the love. His mom gave him, gave him love, even, you know, very, very difficult. So mother's love is so important, and faith in God, those two things that I found in India from my very, very limited experience is very strong. No matter where you are, this country is full of faith. So this was your background? Yes. Definitely there was a change in your outlook towards life and change yes. towards your attitude towards faith, God. How did that happen? Well, uh, my parents came to Israel in 1948. My mom was pregnant. My mother's first husband died in Croatia. Her lawyer was my father, and he saw her situation, and he devoted her life. He was much older. And they both came. He's my father in 48. I was born in 49, in February, and uh, I was brought up as an only child, very loving, outwardly loving, but this thought of guilt in my mom's mind, until about age 15. I was a happy child on the surface, but that problem that I didn't receive, and Swami knows, I will connect it from in a moment with Swami, uh, Swami was with me all this time, and I had an experience uh, where before I knew about Swami physically, where I experienced that, I will explain. But the uh, age 14, 15, I uh, actually received this inner uh, crisis that happens to young people sometimes. You probably know friends. In America, my students sometimes jump off the bridge, you know. I mean, it happens sometimes. Where when you don't have such strong faith in God and you so many questions that plague your mind yes so that is what happened to me when I was 15 I wanted to die I oh. envied my father he was an older man 55 uh, I really wanted to be like him so I won't have to live for many years but I never ever would take my life I knew it was a mistake well uh, I continued living. I didn't share it with anybody, but God sent messengers. <laughs> and one of them was an old man, and his name is truly happiness. In Hebrew, it's called Asher, which means happiness. This man helped me beyond words. He knew my problem. I was a soldier at the time in the army. And he asked me, do you want to play? It's a Matkot, it's a game where you play on the beach. I was on a little beach. Just from a few words, his amazing intuition was, he told me some words that entered to my subconscious like a water in the desert. Water in the desert. You know, when you don't have water for, for, for years. I will never, ever forget this guy. He was a messenger of God, full of love, we met once in a while, and every time he just allowed me to realize that this self-confidence, what Swami is talking about, the inner self, the Atma, that was like an example of an experience. 
Another example was a little book that I read. And on the way to Swami, this visit, an Indian guy, Hindu, that works in Germany on rubber. He's one of the main rubber manufacturers in uh, a German company in uh, India. He had this book. I couldn't believe it. It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor that lost everything, but he had a reason to live. And this was basically to bring this book that he didn't write yet. It's called it's Logotherapy, to heal through meaning. And he interviewed and found many inmates that survived. And he found that those that survive have a reason. They have a reason to live. A family member that they want to do a book to write some reason to live. This reason for him was to write that book which he wrote, a very small book, that created a beautiful change in the world. And even now, people read it. This person did not know about Swami. So uh, we were communicating. He... He knew about Swami, but he is not a devotee, but he has a picture of Swami. I asked him a little bit about it, you know. So, I now feel that Swami's Lila, you know, was connecting this interview with that book. So, that was another example. Then there was Zen. Zen Buddhism helped me a lot, you know, over, over the years. Then there was another big, big station. It was A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. which Swami, I actually, when I read somewhere that Swami, in principle, wrote this book, I, I, some devotee said, so maybe Swami said, I, di- I never found a quote from Swami, but this book was channeled through a Jewish woman in uh, America. She was in a taxi with the head of the psychology uh, department in uh, a university um, in New York City, and they were going to a conference. There was not good relationship in the department. And the word came from his mouth, there must be another way. Mm-hmm. And somehow, out of those words, they agreed to join together, and every day she was sitting and typing what came from her mouth for a few years. I believe it was Swami that was talking through her. Actually, in the book is Jesus, you know, was talking through her. That was tremendous, amazing uh, gift in my life. For a few years it helped me a lot. Then there wasn't discipline in that group. There was a small group that was studied, but they didn't come on time. And I looked for something with discipline. More discipline, that people come on time and so on. And then came for me the miracle, what brought me to Swami. I had a, a friend. Uh, his name was Lee. He wasn't a Swami devotee, but he had a, a friend who was Swami devotee, who was very close to Swami at the beginning, where the young American people used to come to Swami. And his name was Jerry. Jerry Bass. Jerry came uh, with this group for, for, I think, many years. He was very, very devoted to Swami. They had a special name, the Routers or something like that, you know. 
And then he got married to Carol. And he got brain cancer. And my friend Lee told me about them. They are going to India to see a holy man. And at that time, I was very arrogant. I said, he asked me, do you want to meet him before they go? He, because Swami told him that. And I said, no, 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 I'm not interested. You know, I have enough holy men in my life. And so on. So they went here. And Jerry actually died basically meditating. He was here in the hottest uh, temperature. He had brain cancer. Swami didn't pay attention to him because he was all the time inside. All the time inside. And he passed away here. With the moment he passed away, Swami got the family, the girl, two girls, two little girls, uh, Carol, and gave him all the love, you know, and there was here a beautiful funeral. And the, uh, the Shivaratri uh, river became Ganga for her. This was 1997. Mm -hmm. On, that is probably because right after that I came to Swami because a few months later, I was in my friend's uh, home and I saw a book. It call, it's called Men's of Miracles, Satya Sai Baba, that brought many people to Baba. Man of Miracles. M yeah. uh, right. Uh, Men of Miracles. And I asked him, can I borrow it? Oh, he said, sure. Carol gave me a few copies. You can take one. I took this book home and I read it before I went to sleep. And it didn't make any effects on me. Because I said, oh, I know about holy men in India. You know, they produce miracles and so on. But what does it have to do with me? I'm, I'm here nothing. But, and here is the lightning. When I read about the lingam, the lingam was, happened in me, kind of. Because I understood what does it mean to be human. I understood, everything made sense to me. When I read what Swami goes through with the Shivaratri, with the Lingam, I understood that I am also like that. I have to bear my life. Swami gives an example. And that night, Swami came to me in a dream. And the whole night, He was working on me, oh, churning me, churning me in a form of energy. And that day, the next day, I was teaching without too much fear. You see, it was different. And then I started, I found out there was a Baba Center, I started coming to India, many miracles happened to me, Swami, you know, all kind of little things that I don't know if I should talk in the interview, but Swami entered to my life. And then I, I am now completely devoted, I mean, that's not the word, I'm grateful beyond, beyond, beyond words. So that is how Swami works. And uh, when was the first time that you came to Puttaparthi? It was probably 1999, two years after I learned about Swami. And what happened, it was just beyond words. I, you see, I, am, I never travel. I, I've, I didn't have any self-confidence, you know. I mean, I always live in fear. I'm a professor at Itaka College, but what do I do? I walk in the woods. I pray. Pray, 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 because I cannot be in my office. I cannot, you, it's an unusual situation. Still, I, Swami gave me the knowledge 
to do my PhD in mathematics and to, to teach my classes. I never missed one class. I never visited a mental institution. I never took drugs. It was all spirituality, you know. I mean, but when I came here, can you imagine, how could I come, you know? I mean, but I did it. It all was the magnet of love of Swami, and I am here sitting uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning waiting online, and after a few days in the afternoon, I hear a voice, Danny. I said, hey, Pepe, this was a Sababa devotee that was in South America and used to be in Ithaca. So we, I knew him from the center. I said, well, Pepe, how come? You know, you're here. So we sat near each other in the afternoon. Now, in the afternoon, you usually don't have a chance to see Swami. Because usually, you get at the back that Swami students are coming. That was in 1999. So we've... we've uh, you know, happy, but then we were with each other, but we enter inside, and then the Sevadal tell us, you two, come here, and they tell us to sit in the first row. Oh, wow, you know, we are <laughs> surprised. You see, Swami talks to Sevadal in different ways, you know. So we are sitting there, and then something happened, that is beyond words for me, you know. The music comes, and I'm st starting, I'm not in this world, I hear this, this sound of the flute. And Swami walks, walks slowly, slowly, slowly. And on the way, we see this vibhuti, and it, it is like a dream coming. You see, this image always comes to my mind, vibhuti comes, like, like spirits come, you know. And then it comes to us. And he comes to me, and I go out of my body. I, I disappeared. My soul went out of my body. And then Swami does something unusual, completely, completely unusual. He leaves the room. He left the room with his bare feet, with his bare feet, where the women's work outside, there were women, they were carrying very heavy stuff when they built all this new thing. I mean, now it's very different than it was in 1999. They were building it. There are nails, there are sand. He didn't care. He goes outside. And my friend Pepe said, oh, he said, oh, Swami, you did it again, because it was a different message for him. For me, the message was very strong said, Danny, keep doing what you are doing. That's all. See, without words. He said, look at me. I don't care. <laughs> I go outside. I don't care about the security, about the nails. And a few years later, when I was again in Party, I was in the hospital, in General Hospital in Bangalore, I had a little problem. There was a note from Swami, a, a quote, and that I always remember. If everybody does it, it doesn't mean it's right. If nobody does it, it doesn't mean it's wrong. That's very important, you know, for me. Because to listen to the inner self. So this, this was how, you know, I have many little stories like that, both in Ithaca and here. Swami, we know, is everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, the CIA is not a concept, it's, it's, it is.
constant yeah. integrated yes. awareness constant integrated awareness after you knew swami and mm-hmm. uh, uh, learned about his teachings mm-hmm. and his message Mm-hmm. you wanted to be more involved in service and that is when you yes. got involved in uh, prisoners express after i learned to know swami i was helping an old woman that was like 85 years old to walk her dog one day i heard her sing the most beautiful song we started going to nursing homes that swami now is Uh, bring his teaching are being brought to nursing homes uh, i'm I, i mean the songs they, it's beyond words so it's not service service is actually service to me i mean it's it's beyond words so singing nursing homes one to one soul helping people to go through the dying process you know to to meet the light it's all swami's work to us So almost three years ago, you said you started working with uh, the prisoners. Yes, but the service in nursing was many years. I mean, maybe ten years ago. And who who actually put you in touch with these prisoners? How you actually got involved in this? Uh, that was actually a friend of Gary. Gary is the only person that does it, and he had a friend that does, did the history program, and he was my friend too. So he t- somehow you just know, happened. It clicked. Yeah. and you're enjoying it now yeah i mean I, as i said before i'm trying to give it uh, the, the the prisoners to to the saibaba organization hopefully it's all swami's will from your experience uh, with working with prisoners mm-hmm. what is it um, that has changed in your perspective about life you mean in my own life what, what has it taught you it enriched my life on a personal level tremendously but what it taught me about society there is tremendous ignorance and fear in the world and especially in the united states i i can give you an example um one time in a local prison it's not part of gary program there was a christmas time and someone asked me can you organize like sending letters to prisoners and i was involved with elementary school children so i thought what a wonderful idea you know the kids will write to prisoners hmm. and i had a beautiful friend a teacher that was a miracle maker in elementary school when she heard this she did not want to do one little thing like that she said no way they are bad people they have to serve they you know now what i felt from her it's not it wasn't her she felt that's how the per- parents will perceive it mm. if a child writes to a prisoner you see mm. that's that's not good so that's one thing i really learned it's great ignorance in the american society mm. about prisoners there it has to be a, a change of way and the same is about teaching mathematics which i don't know if i will have a chance to talk but it's all ignorance and swami said ignorance is worse than death which is absolutely true yes, swami know. says uh, you should not uh, hate the person you may hate a particular act yes that a person would have done mm. but that person in so principle is pure yes and uh, I, i think that is what you are trying to do in the prisons trying to ensure that that goodness in them that spark of yeah. divinity in them blossoms it's already yeah it's there i mean the prisoners the few thousands that want to be in this program 
they are already there, they are pure. The, all they need is for society to give them an opportunity for a, a job, you know, something. And there are many others that need to purify, and the, those that are pure can help them. Yes. Little a while earlier you mentioned about uh, two things. Mm-hmm. One about guilt. Mm-hmm. How because of guilt people suffer. And yes. your mother also went through that experience. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned about Yani. Right. Uh, and her book. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, Yani's book, mm-hmm. uh, the title of her book says, Not Guilty, Undoing the Illusion of Separate Existence. Correct. And uh, mm-hmm. I think this is a very powerful uh, mm-hmm. idea, undoing the illusion mm-hmm. of separate existence. Yes. In a nutshell, mm-hmm. uh, I feel it really mm-hmm. uh, conveys uh, what Swami has been teaching us for all these years. That uh, you are not separate. Mm. You are not separate from mm. God. Everyone is God. Swami mm. says, I am God. Mm. You too are God. Yes. Just that you have to realize uh, mm. you are God. And uh, have you read this book and, and what influence has uh, this Yes, I, I read this book about a year and a half ago. I was not doing very well. I was really depressed. I was in bed, it was uh, my sabbatical, you know, uh, the end of my sabbatical, and somehow I was led to a video by Al Drucker, who is a Sai Baba devotee, and he was interviewed by one of the Sai Baba, there is a person that does many videos. uh, Ted Henry. uh, Exactly, Ted Henry. And um, uh, I uh, listened to that, uh, video, it, it was so powerful. It was about Swami and about how, because Al Drucker was a child in the Holocaust in Germany, and how Swami helped him, it's just, oh, oh it's beyond words. Like he was flying an airplane, um, and uh, uh, he, for 30 years he had no God, private plane, and Swami talked to him. The plane was in a storm. Uh, the wind broke the uh, window of the plane. There was complete chaos in the plane and uh, the gas was going out after three hours in the clouds, beyond words, one engine. For the first time, after 30 years, he cried to God. Swami answered him. Same time in Puddha party, Swami talks to his student and said, oh, I just saved this American who was flying for his pleasure. He did not know anything about Swami, but uh, after a few weeks he landed in uh, New Mexico, Devi was there, Indra Devi. Indra Devi. And uh, a few weeks later, night of Shivaratri, he comes to Sai Baba and everything is Hitler. SS, Satya Sai, Sevadals, they are the Nazis. Wow! He was after a flight of 48 hours, completely intoxicated, not in this reality. It was gift from Swami. It was the first healing experience. Swami allowed him to churn out the negativity, all those memories. That is how Swami works. Then he stayed with Swami for many years. Amazing love of Swami. His wife, Yani, wrote this book. She was here for many, many times. And uh, she read the Course in Miracles after Swami. Uh, after inter- being introduced to Swami. So it was like a mirror image of my journey. 
and uh, she wrote that book. And that book, when I found out the book Not Guilty, I found it through, uh, after that I went to the internet and I googled Al Drucker and I found the Atma Institute. He has an Atma Institute in the United States. Everything is free. It's all devoted to Swami. And I read her book. That book transformed my life because I realized that my problem is guilt. Yes. So I am so grateful for all of this. I think it's the same thing that applies even to prisoners. What is important is uh, they have to remove this guilt from yes. their minds. That yes. is at the root of their suffering. Yes. So then they become more free. Then, then there is a chance for them to uh, express their selves yes. in complete form. You see, Swami said this most powerful sentence that helps me many, many times. And He said, I don't know, you were probably students of Swami. So what I heard that Swami tells his student to repeat the sentence four times, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, and then the other two. Yes, this and too shall pass. This, this helped me pass. tremendously. This helped me tremendously. The other sentence that helped me was every time when I remember this sentence is follow the master, yes. face the devil, fight to the end and finish the game. Now, who is the devil? This devil is very simple. It's the ego. Yes. It's the sense of separate existence. What is the weapon of the ego? Only the most powerful weapon of the ego is guilt. And that's in Yanni's book she explains it. Hmm. When you let go of guilt, you take away, you see, ego means edge God out, hmm. E-G-O. Then only what remains is your natural state, and that's what Yanni, Yanni experienced, and that's what she wants to give to the world, and she has a vision. I'm so blessed to be her student, you know, and, and to help bring her vision to the world. Hmm. In fact, I had a chance to go through this uh, Yanni's mm -hmm. book mm -hmm. and at, at one point uh, mm -hmm. in the end, uh, she of course talks about Swami. Mm -hmm. The initial chapters are all about uh, this philosophy of how we have to remove this guilt and get out of that feeling which you also explained. Mm -hmm. And when she talks about Swami and her journey to Swami, she says that I have made over 25 trips <laughs> to South India to be in the divine aura of Satya Sai Baba and uh, I have been received into his immediate presence for personal interviews on a number of occasions. Mm. And each such privilege has deepened my understanding of the truth. Oh. And everything Sai Baba has done in relation to me, whether in the interview room, in dreams, through an inner voice of guidance, oh. or through events in my life, mm. directed by him, mm. has been transformative. So. I am convinced that he knows and loves each of us totally. Mm. I believe with my whole heart and soul that Sai Baba is God incarnate mm. and that he has come onto the planet at this crucial juncture Sorry. to rescue man from imminent disaster. So I just read out a few lines that uh, mm. struck me uh, yes. when she talks about her association with Swami. And this last line I feel is very important, you know. Mm -hmm. Sai Baba has come onto the planet at this crucial juncture mm. to rescue man from imminent disaster. Sai Baba. And you in your own way have been trying to help a uh, few people who are incarcerated. Yeah, we are all, Swami has infinitely many hands, infinitely many eyes. Every one of us is His instrument. If we are ready, 
we are pure, he can play. If not, we have to wait. But every one of us is part of that infinite divine plan. And, and I'm praying to Swami to purify me so I can become <laughs> an instrument. Yes. Sorry. And um, the other thing about you, mm-hmm. uh, which I learned from your website, mm-hmm. is your love for mathematics. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. So what is it that uh, fascinates you about mathematics? Mathematics is, um, is just divine language. It's the language of reason, beauty and logic. Mm-hmm. It's the language of music. Music? Of nature. Yes, music is mathematics. Oh. I mean, mm-hmm. what is music? Music is a sequence of sounds, basically. What you hear in your ear, like right now I'm talking. What is happening? Sound goes through the air, gets into your ear, creates, now you create the meaning in your mind. It all happens instantaneously, almost no time. Uh, mathematics is beautiful, infinite. So much variety, so much... However, it's not being taught that way because of the ego, or the fear. And a lot of students fear mathematics. A lot of students fear mathematics. It's beyond, yeah, it, 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 there, that is my work. I mean, that's, that's what I feel my, uh, my particular vision or vi- mission is to do that work with students that are afraid of mathematics. Hmm. In fact, uh, I, I just uh, found this interesting equation by one of the students. Mm-hmm. Mathematics is equal to fear plus hard work plus insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is a student that is, that's how... He has to bring it first. He is honest. He's writing, yes. It's all fear and insecurity. That's, that's, that's how they felt at that moment. Hopefully, before they leave this world, they may perceive mathematics different, but they have to be honest and to express their honest feeling. Most students don't even do that, including those that do well in exams. You know, like in America, there is the AP advanced placement exam and uh, the students that we get to Ithaca College they got good grades but many of them never really understood math Hmm. so they look at it as a place to get good grades so you memorize for the tests but Hmm. you don't feel it you don't connect with that Hmm. so it's very very sad you know but that that's the work to bring it to the to the world and, and the equation that you have given in response is math is equal to self-confidence plus joy plus trust plus relaxation plus hard work plus communication. Beautiful. That is one, one way to express it. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that I noticed on your website, there's a student who has said mm-hmm. math is love. Mm. Julie. Yes. That really it took me back. Mm. Math is love. Right. How can you explain that? Julie had a dream, and truly, it was the most powerful dream. To focus on the main point in the dream was that everybody was taking a math test, and uh, her best friend was tied with a rope uh, because the t- she knew math very well. Julie did not know math. She was very afraid. Her best friend got 50-page math test, and when the teacher read this test in the dream, very quickly, he said, you did not pass. He took a rope, tied her, and burned her alive 
in front of the classmates and Julie. He physically, Julie saw her best friend burn and she couldn't close her eyes in the dream, you know. Mm -hmm. Julie had most beautiful big eyes. And uh, then she asked me to help, you know. Uh, uh, no, she asked the teacher for an extension first. To her surprise, he allowed her to go outside the room and uh, to get an extension. She met me. And when she met me on the street, in the dream, mm -hmm. she asked me to help her, and I wouldn't help her. That moment, two things came to mind. One, why didn't I help her? Two, what is myth? Why didn't I help her? Was because she can do it by herself. Two, why, what is myth? Not me, I didn't tell her. In a dream, from herself, myth is love. She came to my office right after the dream. It was very early in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, the United States, it's, it's very early. I was in my office. I still remember the exact posture. That was so powerful experience for me. She gave me this dream. She wrote it down very quickly. She didn't want to forget. She was so excited because it had such an amazing impact. Now, why? I want to ask the audience, what is really the reason? Why was the dream so positive? She saw her friend being burned. I asked my students. They don't know. But the answer is very simple. You see, the dream brought Julie's fears to the surface. Love is letting go of fear. Fear is not real. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. This is the major teaching of the Course in Miracles, which is life. Julie felt it intuitively. She brought the fear to the surface. She saw it was nothing. Then what remained was love. The conclusion of the dream was love, myth is love. Then it connects to love is letting go of fear. Now, th then I had, right now when I shared it with you, I had a flashback. Many years before I knew Swami, physically, I met Swami. Will never ever forget it. It was in my mother's womb. Oh. Swami was there. And this is what happened. In this life, real life, I was very depressed. And I didn't couldn't function. I was so you know difficult. But I went to visit a friend and she covered me with a blanket and there was no words but for some reason I felt safe I felt good and then I went to another reality I went to my mother's womb I was there it was very very beautiful there was uh, water you know in the womb uh, I felt like very very, very good. But on the left side of the room, I saw a cave. And in that cave, I saw a monster. And that was the most scary monster that one could ever, ever imagine. When I saw that monster, I was transported to God for 15 minutes. I was with Swami. And I was singing songs to Swami in the most loving, infinite way.
for three days I, I was there. But for 15 minutes I was actually there. For, for three days I was intoxicated with this experience. What was the meaning of that experience? See, I knew in that, you see, in the dream, in the, in the womb, in the womb, I was actually a baby and I was asking my mom for love. She wouldn't answer me because she was feeling guilt. She was living in guilt from her sister that died. And she blamed herself. Why did she side with her father? I knocked on her door from inside and asked, Mom, give me love. I need you. No answer. No answer. That was the monster. That is how the fear entered. But then, God was there. I knew that I'm an Atma. I am just with God. So that was Swami's gift for me. So the only way to let go of fear is mm -hmm. love. Yes. And uh, God gave that uh, experience to Julie so that she gets convinced of this yes. principle. Yes, Sairam. Yes. And everything is love. Math is also love. Yes, everything is love. Math is, is love. And math is so beautiful. You know, the, the way we are taught myth in school is very little true beauty. Mm. It's, uh, even now I met a Muslim, that, you know, in town that wants to learn myth. He, they don't know. People are only, like, I don't know, oh, the Vedas have deep mathematics, for example. Like, I learned it from a Manjul Bhargava, who is a, one of the greatest mathematicians in this century that is... Uh, very young, uh, full professor in Princeton. If you Google him, uh, you can... Yes. NPR. Yes, yes. You know, I've so heard him. The youngest uh, professor. Youngest professor. Youngest he, he's in the place where Einstein was. He's, he's in love with Einstein. He also plays tabla. He plays tabla. Mm. And he connects myth and the tabla. And he brought, came to Ithaca College as a guest uh, for a very important, you know, the room was full with professors from different universities, from Cornell, packed. Manjul Bhargava sits there and plays the tabla in the most, most beautiful way. And I asked him, where did you get this? He said, from my grandfather. My grandfather was the linguist Sanskrit scholar. It all comes from the Himalaya mountains. All comes from the Vedas. Mm. I now take this knowledge and I try to put it in a... I have a dream, a new art, music, math, and art, connected with sacred geometry, connected with patterns and, and sounds, for example, math and healing, mm. like uh, Fibonacci sequence, you can make beautiful sounds, like ta, for example, the number four, okay, has five patterns, like, or eight, ta, 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 Ta 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 Those are five. The next one, the five will have eight. So, for example, ta 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 ta. Then ta 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 ta, and so on. You will get eight patterns. No one knows about it, except people here know about it. I mean, I'm sure the 
scholars, but it's not connected. They think that Fibonacci con uh, discovered it. No, Fibonacci probably went to India, <laughs> you know, mm. and found that so the mm. knowledge to the world comes from this area mm. because it's from the earth, it's from God. Mm. It's all, you know, all connected. Absolutely. In fact, um, when, when you talked about uh, in mm. the beginning how math is divine mm. and now how math pervades everything. Mm -hmm. It really brings to mind many interesting concepts, mm. uh, like the concept of uh, the fractals. Mm. You know, where the each part is same as the whole. Yes. And each pattern is same as the whole. Only the size differs. Right. It, the, it really reminds one of the Vedic uh, uh, dictum, where you know it's a purnamidam, purnamidam. This is full. Mm. That wow. is also full. What yes. comes out of the fullness is also full. Yes, when I show my students a picture of that, you know, the Mandelbrot set, it's just, there are, there are movies that now that show it. It shows it. God is the equation. The phenomena, the, the diversity in the world is uh, changing all the time. But God is the eternal presence that never changes. There is another thing in myth that the world doesn't know. Uh, usually, the, the theory of infinite sets. Mm. You see, Swami's mathematics is the theory of infinity. The smallest infinite number is called Aleph Zero in the West. And it was only brought to human consciousness at the beginning of the century. Aleph Zero is, is the smallest infinite number, but there are infinitely many infinite numbers. So, for example, the Aleph zero times Aleph zero is Aleph zero, but two to the Aleph zero, two times two times two Aleph zero times is Aleph, which is not Aleph zero. And there is the world, the human consciousness is is evolving now to understand this. And but it's not taught in schools; it's people don't know, so they don't connect myth and the spirituality yet. Yeah, like if suppose a student were to ask you. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, we all know 2 plus 2 makes 4. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that, mm -hmm. uh, which are uh, part of the world, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, what has this got to do with God? What will you say? You see, God is in the subtlest of the subtle. God is in every logical... You see, God is in the mind. So, the question is, how do you connect it with God? You see, like, for example, the Mendelbrot set is, is an example for that. There was a professor at Cornell, uh, Hubbard, John Hubbard, who is one of the experts of, of, of fractals in the world. He came once as a guest speaker to my class, and he showed the Mendelbrot set, this amazing diversity, and he he's not, you know, outwardly connected to religion or anything, but he said, you see, the equation that makes it, it's so small. We will never find the equation through the phenomenal world. You have to go to another dimension. And that is God. The, the equation, you cannot see the equation from the phenomenal world. Mm. In fact, uh -huh. uh, this reminds me of uh, uh, what uh, Kurt Gödel, uh, mm -hmm. one of the very famous mathematicians said. Mm -hmm. He said that mathematics is perfect, mm -hmm. but it is not complete. Mm. To see some truths, you must stand outside and look in. Yes, exactly. This is exactly the same idea as the equation in the Mandelbrot set. Mm. 
It's basically getting out of the system. Mm. And uh, you see, we live in a world of, of illusion, of ego, of maya. Right. We see the world suffering, even here, you know, Sai Baba devotees, you know, not, not realizing, you know, that the gift is inside. You know, there is no need to go and, and even I'm talking about myself, we are like little children. Just look for the equation, find it inside yourself. Mm. That's Swami came to give it to us. It's, we are so blessed to have this phenomena. Because I, as a Jewish person, I don't, you be in, in, in Israel, people are taught not to, like Hindus are not really believing in God. I mean, they believe in idols. Oh. Uh, you see, that's the way children mm. are taught mm. in, in the West also, in the, the Christians. Mm. You see, they don't see... They can't perceive God they coming... Don't, they don't see that there is a lot of ignorance there. Ignorance. So, God in a form, in a physical form. Uh, it took me, honestly, even I was Sai Baba devotee for many years, only, I would say, the last maybe year, I fully understand what does it mean to be God that comes, you see, not from a human to God, but from God to human. It's different. Mm. It's just different. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. In fact, that, yeah. is, that is the difference between great men and an avatar. Yes. Swami says, great men, from the level of the human, they mm-hmm. try to become divine. But avatar actually descends. Exactly. And this concept of avatar doesn't exist in the West. Uh, uh, Christians a little view Jesus like that, but uh, it wasn't exactly an avatar. Mm. I mean, uh, you can call it like that, but the Swami is different. Like Jesus went to difficult time and so on, but Swami was born, you know, already, you yes. know, as a baby. Uh, this book here, that, uh, like, uh, I read it, uh, I think Venkantraman wrote it, I don't know. There is a big book that came to every center in the United States. It's beautiful pictures of Swami, you know. Love all servant? I think so, yeah, with, yes, love all servant. That, that helped me a lot. Mm. Okay, so there, there's a lot of learning, there's a lot of awareness that has to be created and it's happening slowly. Yes. In small, small pockets. Sairam. And his mm. time. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to see that uh, you've been listening to Radio Sai for long. Oh, Radio Sai is my life, I tell you. Without it, I don't know how I would, I would survive. Because I'm <coughs> listening to it all the time. You know, it's, it's opening. I, then I tape it. I have an MP3 player. I put, you know, a small one. I, I pick the talks that talk to me. It just, you know... It's a gift beyond the world. It's one of the places that are transforming, like one of the Ganga's offshoots, you know, that uh, are transforming the world. And one of these days you'll be listening to your own voice. On Sorry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for coming oh. to the studio. I know there is so much that you can talk about. I know. Mathematics and divinity. Yes, and, it's and infinite. Of course. Uh, we have to put, we are living in time. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, and, and there's so much wonderful work that is going on. I just uh, like to pray to Swami that uh, mm. He really showers you with strength oh, he does. and energy. Uh, so that I'm you so continue grateful. The he good invited me from one day to the doing. next. Swami called me. Thank you, Swami. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sai Ram. Sai Ram.
that was a conversation with Dr. Danny Nowak, an associate professor of mathematics at Ithaca College, New York. He is also the co-founder of the website familymath.org, which organizes free math workshops, math days, and math summer camps for children. Son of a Holocaust survivor, Danny battled through a variety of negative emotions all his life until he came in contact with Bhagwan Baba in late 1990s. And once he experienced the unconditional love of Baba, sharing his love has become the mission of his life. No matter what he is engaged in today, be it maths or music, meditating or teaching, he is constantly spreading the fragrance of his love to everyone around, especially to hundreds of prisoners in US. In conversation with Dr. Danny Nowak was Radio Sai Bishoprishti. This episode of our continuing series, Trist with Divinity, was recorded in the studio of Radio Sai in the month of March 2011. We hope you enjoyed this program. Please do share your feedback to this program by writing to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashanti Nilayam.